Yo, 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 this is a little spooky, a podcast about things that spook us just a little bit. Things like aliens, cryptids, conspiracies, or that stretch of hallway that you have to run through after you shut off the lights before you can get to bed. My name is Everett. And I'm Colleen. That was always whenever my mom had me do the laundry. It was always in this like dank ass basement of our house. And we had like an old maybe 90 to 100 year old house so it was one of those like unfinished concrete floor drafty basements you'd have to shut off the lights and then sprint up the stairs as fast as possible so the ghosts couldn't suck you back down the thing is too no one experiences this anymore what do you mean everyone's got a flashlight on their phones true that's a good point. I mean, you could have theoretically carried a flashlight with you if you were turning the lights off. You're a freaking loser. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's not like it's new technology. <laughs> anyway, it's been a weird week for me. Why is that? I haven't worked for a while just because I have time off. It's true. He's taken time off. I've been playing a lot of Pokemon. He's been playing a lot of Pokemon. I don't know what time is. Time means nothing. Time is a meaningless construct. Time's a circle. Yeah, we've already talked about that, though, in so several episodes. Let's circle back <laughs> and talk about what we're going to talk about today. Tonight, we are. We're bringing it back. We're bringing it back to France in the 1760s. Why? Because we're going to talk about the Beast of Gévaudan. The Beast of my dong? Yes. The beast of your dong specifically. <laughs> What's cool about this cryptid story. Now, usually if you've listened to this, you know, I'm into the conspiracies and the aliens. And I was researching this one with the expectation that it was just going to be like another cryptid story where like an old man sees a wolf run across the road. Kind's hard to impress. Yes, I am. But I actually was fascinated by this story. And it's because it's not disputed that it actually happened. The mystery is, what exactly was it? You tell me. Well, we're going to get there. And then I want to know what your thoughts are going to be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we're going back to France. France. Great Poupon. 1760s. Croissant. Great Poupon. Bibliothèque. <laughs> so the Seven Years' War had just ended, and the French were kicked out of Canada. The American Revolution had not yet started. The French Revolution was a mere 20-ish years away. In Paris, we're talking about powdered wigs, elaborate hairstyles, Madame Pompadour. Where's the Great Poupon? Hairstyles. I don't know when Grey Poupon was invented, but I imagine they had some sort of delicious mustard dish to partake in. Sure. For the non-wealthy, though, things were starting to get rough. They bore the brunt of the tax burden that propped up the nobility. Class tensions are rising. Things are getting just spooky in general. <laughs> I, I don't know if spooky is the, is the right word. More like stressful. Shitty. Yeah, shitty. But in 1764, all of that was briefly forgotten, as the remote area of south-central France known as Gévaudan was terrorized by an unknown beast on a murder spree. And I'm not just talking like two or three people. I'm talking at least 50. Most accounts say over 100. And one study done in 1987 suggested that there were over 500 deaths and 49 lethal attacks by this beast. Whoa. This was rural France in the 1760s, so I'm guessing record-keeping wasn't great. 
or the numbers are shaky due to the fact that this caused mass international hysteria. But it's generally agreed upon that the death count was at least 50, but more than likely over 100. And there were several surviving victims. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And how long of a time frame or time span? It's about two or three years. Okay. So just to set the scene, Gévaudan is a pretty isolated and rural area of France. It's kind of like um like a county, I guess. So there's cities within this area of Gévaudan. Okay. And it's pretty mountainous and rocky, and it's surrounded by forest land. So, like, farming isn't really an option for okay. these people. Mostly, they raise livestock. So, sheep, cattle, other livestock. <laughs> <laughs> Colleen forgets animals sometimes. Well, they weren't raising llamas. I can tell you well, that. I mean, chicken? <laughs> chicken. Okay, so people had to start, like, working for their families at a young age. We're talking, like, the peasant class. Right. Children were out herding sheep and stuff on their own by the time they were moderately young. You know, right. so people were independent. They were used to doing things on their own. Kids would have to go out and learn how to avoid or keep their flocks safe from predators in general. Wolves were a big thing in this area. Forest land. We got rocky stuff. We got people raising livestock. So wolves were a problem. Sure. Yeah. So the first recorded sighting that I found of the beast of Gévaudan was actually not lethal. In April of 1764, a young woman was out tending cattle in a forest in the eastern part of Gévaudan when she saw something that she described as, quote, like a wolf, yet not a wolf. What does it mean? I don't know. It came barreling at her. Luckily, this girl has a big old herd of some loyal cows. Because when the bulls in her herd saw this beast, they charged at it. The beast backed off, and then it went in for a second attack. It's not interested in the cows, though. It's going straight for the girl, which is interesting. Yeah. Right? So it, it charges straight towards her again. Again, it was driven off by the bulls. Hmm. Two months later, on June 30th, 1764, a 14-year-old girl was in the exact same situation, only instead of cows, unfortunately, she was dealing with sheep. So sheep I mean, sit I'm, there and I've been around look sheep. Pretty. <laughs> I mean, like a sheep can hit you pretty flipping hard. But I mean, they're not gonna rescue you from a not a wolf. Sheeps are scared of sheep dogs. Yes, sheep sheep are not what you can rely on in a life or death situation. Anyways, because of that, she was brutally murdered by the <laughs> <laughs> And that is the first recorded fatality of the beast Jeez. of Shibidon. You said she was like 14? 14 years old, yeah. That sucks. But again, in during that time period, that's not an uncommon age to be like way out grazing herds away from No, home. right. I was just saying that's a very young age to die. Yes. But of course, at this time too, kids die all the time. Well, yeah. Unfortunately. Right. And I guess average lifespan was probably a lot shorter in this three-month period if 500 people were getting slaughtered by <laughs> That's this. That's true. Piece. So a month after that first death, a 15-year-old girl was mauled by the same beast. And she was barely alive when people came across her body. And she, like, choked out a description of what attacked her. And it was the exact 
same description as the beast that was involved in the 14-year-old girl's death. Wait, so were there witnesses for the 14-year-old girl? So, yeah. Okay, that's another thing that comes up in this story. I believe that it's assumed that it was the beast of Jevoudon that killed her because she died in a similar manner as several people following her. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure if like the her first attack, they assumed it was a wolf. And then when these attacks kept, kept coming and witnesses kept describing something that wasn't a wolf, they went back and were like, oh, she was probably the first death. Sure. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. But this would also be a very good time if you hate your like in-laws or ex or something to just get away with murder. Yeah, but you'd have to have a pretty tough stomach because the way these people are dying is not it's not a simple death. Sure. But we'll get to that. Okay. So this 15-year-old girl is barely alive. She gives a description of the beast and then dies. She succumbs to her injuries. Then September comes along, and the partially eaten remains of a young shepherd boy are found in the same hills. And after that, after it's got its taste for blood, it went on a full-on murder spree. Yes. It seemed to especially enjoy eating young ladies, but it also got its teeth into a lone dude or so. One or two dudes. But it seems so far they're always young. Is that just because they're easier targets or does it prefer fresh young meats? I'm not sure, but it was pointed out that it did specifically have a hankering for ladies, young ladies. But it it did not necessarily seem to discriminate against who it attacked. But it wasn't going for animals. It was going for people. And it was I think it was whichever person was probably the most vulnerable it would go for okay so like i said earlier these aren't just like normal wolf or animal attacks this isn't like an animal guarding its territory or feeling threatened these people were getting their throats ripped out they were being torn to shreds some people were found half eaten many of the victims were found with their heads completely removed one first-hand account that was published in the press at the time was that it often removed its victims' heads and drank all of their blood, leaving nothing but a pile of bones. There's a lot more than blood and bones in the body, but... Well, you know, maybe it ate the organs. You don't know. <laughs> um, so, wait, you kind of skipped over this. What was the description given? I'm getting there. Okay. I'm getting there. It's noted that the beast seems to really only be mostly interested in the victim's head and neck. So 16 victims were found decapitated completely, and then others had their throats completely eaten out or removed or maimed in some way. <laughs> Interesting. And the injuries also seem to indicate that the beast did not kill its prey immediately, but it liked to first, like, play with its meal by disfiguring them, maiming them, letting them run away a little bit name them again it was like a long drawn out death that's the assumption okay this is probably how we got so many similar descriptions of the beast the beast might have extended its victim's suffering out long enough that for several victims somebody was able to come in and intervene right a bigger window of opportunity right. for someone else to see it. before the victim has a chance to actually die of their injuries or become seriously injured 
Now, word is getting round about this thing. And because it's been attacking people all over the place, people have seen it. Like hundreds of people, the entire village, pretty much. If you haven't seen it, your friend has seen it. And if your friend hasn't seen it, then their cousin probably was murdered or something. Um, Unlike the Beast of Bray Road, where there were fewer and fewer witnesses. Correct. I see. Yes. Now, descriptions of the beast do vary. But one thing we have to remember is that this became like a press frenzy. It was like a phenomenon at the time. It wasn't news of this beast was not just located to Gévaudan. Like it became international news. Again, we just finished the Seven Years War. Tensions are rising. They haven't hit the revolution yet. So this is like the perfect story to fascinate the public who clearly needs some sort of distraction from their shitty, regular, everyday lives. Okay. Of course. If they could read. If they could. Number one, if they could read. Though, like, you could have a, somebody tell you the story. It's true. But number two, as long as you're not, like, involved in it. I mean, I personally love to listen to true crime, but I don't want to be all in on that story. Know what I'm saying? Oh, it makes sense. Yes. <laughs> The main consensus, though, the thing that everybody agreed on, this was not a wolf. And these are people in the forests of rural France. So I imagine if you are a shepherd or a farmer, you are well aware of what a wolf looks like and probably even what a wolf attack is like, because back then wolf attacks were one of the main causes of death in this area. And I mean, it wouldn't be that often that a lone wolf would attack anything. they got to hunt in packs and everything, too. Right, right. And I, I mean, I do know they're pack hunters. I don't know much about wolves and why they would attack people. Um, right. Yeah, obviously, they usually wouldn't attack a person. Right. Either. So that definitely doesn't seem like a wolf. Right. But in my research, at the time, wolf attacks were far more com- like death by wolf was not an uncommon way to go. So it is easy to believe them when they say it's not a wolf, because this is something that they've encountered before. Right. Yeah. So the beast was described by one contemporary poster as, quote, reddish brown with a dark ridged stripe down the back, resembles a wolf or hyena, but big as a donkey, long gaping jaw, six claws, pointy upright ears and supple furry tail that is mobile like a cat's and can knock you over. Its cry is more like a horse neighing than a wolf howling, end quote. Donkeys aren't that big. No, I thought that too. Donkeys are like moderately small. Bigger than a wolf though, I guess. Yeah, definitely bigger than a wolf. But still like, if if a donkey-sized creature has a tail that can knock you over, it's got to be dense, you know? Yeah, and the thing is, the size descriptions vary as well. Okay, because yeah, donkey-sized wolf, I mean, obviously that would be terrifying, but like, it's not that big. Well, right. Though if you're a 14-year-old girl by yourself... I'd be pretty afraid. That's true. This story, again, ripped across Europe. And so there are dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of drawings of the time that you can find online. Like there's some that look like giant kangaroos that walk on all fours. And there are most of them kind of have a dog like appearance. Yeah. All of them do look different. Like every description is slightly different. But if I was going to combine all of them into a general description All of them pretty much say it's a wolf-like creature between the size of a donkey or a cow with a long head, a big chest, and pointy ears. It has reddish fur, 
has a lot of scary teeth, and everyone describes it as having like a black streak down its back. And a lot of people described it with like a heart-shaped white patch on its belly. Oh, its chest. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So with that description, what comes to mind for you? Dire wolf. Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't know too. I mean, putting like fantasy, like Game of Thrones aside, like dire wolves were a real animal. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're extinct. But I mean, I think that's pretty much it. Just a giant ass wolf. It does seem like a wolf. But what about like the ridge of black fur down its back? And like. I guess I don't know what (laughs) I don't know what a dire wolf looked like, but interesting. So we'll get to theories later, but I just wanted to see, like, what are you picturing? Because it had the long, like, mobile tail. And some people and by some people, I mean, a lot of people described it as having like a tuft of fur at the end. At the end of the tail or just at the end of its ass? At the end end of the tail. Okay, Like a lion? (laughs) Yes. Interesting. Over a period of about seven months, people are just, like, stumbling across bodies. Many people claimed that there had to have been more than one beast because there's no way a single animal could attack people like this. And at times it was attacking multiple people at once. And there were also reports of it attacking different people in different areas simultaneously. Interesting. So... Did anyone try to shoot it? Yes. Yep. So I was going to say, like, people had guns. Mm -hmm. And it basically repelled bullets. But I do get to that a little bit further along. There are some accounts where people who were attacked claimed that the beast was with a similar looking creature. And other accounts where they think that the beast was like a mother with its young. Okay. So multiple people saw multiples. But the general consensus is that there's just one. Hmm. So the news is spreading rapidly throughout Europe, particularly France. And the nobility in Paris are all. Uh, I've never so, seen a tree. <laughs> <laughs> they're all like peasant stuff. Yeah. But on January 12th, 1765, seven months after that first death, a kid named Jacques Portefeuille and seven of his friends were attacked by this beast. It came after them several times, but the friends all grouped together and were able to drive it away just with the sheer power of numbers. And I'm totally picturing like Romans in the movie 300, where they're all okay, like okay, hold on. You, there was a lot of things wrong with what you just said. <laughs> Spartans, Greeks, maybe. Spartans, Spartans, you're not, right. Not Romans. <sighs> it's called a phalanx. Helene. Whatever, nerd. Anyways, none of them were killed. Um, Jacques Portefeuille must have had a bigger hand in the driving away of it than the rest of the kids because when news of this particular attack reached Louis the Fifteenth, he started taking the reports a little more seriously because the number of deaths were like greatly increasing, and he awarded three hundred livres to Jacques and paid for his education at the state's expense. Hmm. I don't know how much 300 livres is worth, but I'm assuming it is a lot of money. I wonder, like, did they just drive it away by, like, shouting at it? Or do you think they had, like, sticks or something? Like, uh, I'm going to guess they had, like, sticks. I mean, it's hard. Rocks. If you've got how many friends? Seven, Seven friends. Plus Jacques makes eight. Yeah. I mean, one beast against eight. 
I mean, even if you are a super powerful beast, I would imagine like just self-preservation, you would think that attacking a group of animals alone would be dangerous. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just I'm just picturing a big ass, I'm just picturing a big wolf. It's like you could just plow right through it and take one of them. Yeah. That's what I would have assumed, but that's what I would have done. <laughs> the description of the actual attack was not super finely detailed. After this attack, though, Louis the Fifteenth did decree that the government would step in to find this beast because they don't have any wars to worry about anymore. Not yet. So they're just going to go to war with nature. Well, they're, they look bad right now. The French government looks bad because they just lost the Seven Years' War. They right. got kicked out of Canada. At this point, Louis XV is like, I got to do something to save face with my peeps. So, like, the least I could do is stop a murderous beast from rampaging Gévaudan. As we know, obviously from Jacques, the beast was not always successful in murdering its victims. And there are even some who got the better of it. Namely, Marie-Jean Vallée in 1765. She was out walking with her sister. La 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 la. When pow! The beast just leapt out of the trees in front of them. Luckily, Marie was carrying a spear. I don't know why. But look, to be fair, if you are if you are aware of a giant beast attack, I would walk with a spear. That's true. It's just very odd to just be walking around, but also having a spear. I know. That's what I thought when I read it. And I know like a lot of these people were working class and didn't have any money. But like you think you could have like a gun. A spear or like even like a machete. A spear doesn't seem like something you would just like walk around the woods with. Yeah. I don't I don't know. Anyway, she had a spear. So. Good on you, Marie. And it's said that she had an epic spear battle with the beast. Tooth versus blade. Or spear point. I'd call Would it you call blade. it blade? Yeah, yeah, blade. She was unable to kill it, but she did plunge the spear into its chest, which gave it a sizable owie. <laughs> of course, she did not receive any money or free education. But that's probably because she had a vagina. Probably. She is now known as the Maid of Gévaudan, and there's a statue of her doing battle with the beast, even to this day. So she got a cool title out of it. But no I education, mean, though. But yeah, she was kind of left to fend for herself. Quite literally. Because um, she fended for herself. Right. Well, and her sister. That's right. And her sister. She didn't get any of the glory, though. Right. Yeah. Poor sister. I mean, she was involved. She didn't have a spear. True. He who has the spear gets the glory. She. She. <laughs> okay. So like I said, Louis XV was finally getting in on the action. He's declared war against this beast. So he sends out the army and a band of professional hunters and his own lieutenant of the hunt, Francois Antoine. Does that sound right? I'm going to say it is. Sure. Any French speakers? Feel free to correct me. The thing is, the people of Gévaudan were like, yeah, um, thanks, Louis. Uh, I guess a little late, but, you know, whatever. Sure, we'll take your help. But they kind of gave the cold shoulder to all these outsiders. Like, they were not interested in helping them out at all. 
which well, is I've, weird because I'm, we're talking about potentially 600 deaths. So I would accept whatever. No, I can no get, that's but. true. But think of it from their perspective, too. They're already struggling, like yeah. just in the climate of the economic situation of them mm-hmm. being nowhere. And then an influx of hundreds of people. Yeah. How are they going to house them and feed them? Exactly. Right. Yeah. So they weren't happy. I mean, they, I'm sure they were like, finally, somebody's taking us seriously. But at the same time, we've all been looking for this thing. What makes you think an army's going to find it? But the point is, the hunt was on. Now, although everybody who's witnessed this is saying it's not a wolf. There's no way this thing is a wolf. People from outside the region were like, likely story. Of course it's a wolf. They just assumed they're looking for like a single freak wolf who's like big or deformed, but still a wolf. So the army called open hunting season on any wolf spotted in the forest around Chevoudan. And they massacred over 100 innocent wolves. Yikes. Some of these wolves were apparently like freakishly abnormally large, but none of them were the beast because... Even after all of this, the murders and attacks kept happening. Now, at this point, the hunters are starting to realize, like, maybe we're not looking for a wolf. And while the townspeople were fighting this beast off, they were able to occasionally get some shots in. So here's where we talk about how the beast reacts to guns. Bad boy beast would take a few bullets, but it, like, would just shake them off and be completely unfazed. Like, it was not... You could tell it was injured, but it didn't stop it in any way. Wolves, on the other hand, will die when you shoot them. (laughs) No way. (laughs) Just to make that point. Because the people of Jevoudan were viewed as kind of ungrateful for the help from the army, a rumor spread that the people of Jevoudan actually crossbred a mastiff with a wolf and sent it out on a hunting spree in pig armor um, in yeah. order to, like, draw the army in and cause deaths and mayhem. What is pig armor? Armor made of pig. Oh, like leather. Yeah. <laughs> they called it pig armor, so that's what I'm calling like, it. They, I thought they were, like, sending their swine to <laughs> war. <laughs> Who knows? Anyways, pretty sure this wasn't the case because, like, why would they want to kill upwards of 100 of their own people also, without think- a guarantee that the army yeah. would even come out? Louis the Fifteenth was not even interested for quite a while. I don't think you could crossbreed a mastiff with a wolf either. I wouldn't know. You can. They have maybe. wolf dogs. Yeah, right? that's I mean, true. You can get like you're, half, you're right. You're right. I. It's point possible, is, I it, the point is that story is dumb, and the person who told it was dumb because that's not what happened. Either way, the hunt continued, and then Francois Antoine. The king's lieutenant of the hunt shot a six-foot-long lone wolf. So convinced that this was the beast, he sent its carcass back to the king and claimed victory, saying, quote, We declare by the present report signed by our hand we never saw a big wolf that could be compared to this one. Hence, we believe this could be the fearsome beast that caused so much damage. End quote. Hmm. Some of the living victims even identified this wolf as 
being the Beast of Gévaudan because they recalled inflicting injuries on the beast when they were fighting back and they could see scars or injuries on this wolf that corresponded with what they remembered. And I've been thinking this whole time too, it is very possible that a lot of these attacks may have been a different animal and it could have been a wolf attack too. Mm -hmm. Just because dozens upon hundreds of attacks, I mean, what are the chances they're all the same beast? And not a couple being wolf attacks. Sure, it's just interesting that the survivors all tend to describe the same animal. No, I, I'm sh no, I get it. I'm just saying maybe some of the people that positively identified that carcass as being the beast were actually attacked by a wolf. Sure, yes, very possible. But again, all of the survivors seem to have described the same animal so it'd be weird if some of the survivors saw the beast some of the survivors were attacked by a different animal yeah but some people just want to be involved probably too valid point this wolf was stuffed sent back to the king but the hunters did stay because they wanted to find the wolf's like partner and cubs and get rid of them as well because some people had seen sure them hunting together which they did they found the mama wolf and the baby wolf, and they were all, like, uncommonly large, huge wolves. One of them even had a double set of dew claws, which is a deformity that was apparently common in the area. But a deformity nonetheless, and that might have contributed to people believing that it was like, a mutant beast. Yeah, you know, okay. And some people did say that the beast had talons. So it's possible they saw these, like, extra claws i don't know how how like visible are dew claws on a wolf i, I guess i don't know i mean if it, if there's an extra one probably more so than not sure i don't know anyways antoine returned home and he got famous and was paid a lot of money and he got titles and homes and parties you name it because he killed the beast of Gévaudan. but on december 2nd a six-year-old boy and a two-year-old boy were both attacked. The two-year-old boy was narrowly saved by his six-year-old brother. And then following that attack, a dozen more deaths attributed to the beast occurred. So, fuck you, Francoise. Did you just say Francoise? Francois. Not only that, but apparently it, after this point, was no longer afraid of cows or bulls. And it would just charge straight through them. So, you're out of luck if you happen to be a cattle herder over sheep herder shepherd is usually the word we use for that you're telling me it's gonna attack a bull but not just plow through a group of eight children that's what i'm telling you <laughs> <laughs> so eventually the beast was slain not by the army but by a local hunter named jean chastel he shot some large, mysterious animal, and the carcass was taken to the king. But unfortunately, this was the summer, and as they were carting its body back to Paris, it rotted and became even more mysterious than it already <laughs> was. They did still attempt an autopsy of this thing when they got it to the king. On the goo and maggots. Yes, and they did claim to find human remains in its stomach. Interesting. Rumors spread about Jean Chastel claiming that he only killed it because he had used a silver bullet to shoot it with. Mm -hmm. Werewolf lore, anyone? 
I'm lost. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, after Chassel killed whatever it was, the attacks did stop. So well over 100 people were killed, 49 were injured, and 98 bodies were found partially eaten. Close to 250 victims total. You know what's interesting? Hmm. So in a lot of werewolf stories, mm -hmm. a werewolf will usually eat the heart. Mm -hmm. And this one went straight for the head and the neck. neck or head yeah mm -hmm. so that's unlike any werewolf story i've heard before yeah what's going on i don't know my next question is what was this thing what do you think it was I, are you still in the direwolf camp i mean it would be just as unlikely to be a direwolf as it would be to be a werewolf too right because mm -hmm. like it's so unbelievable right but a direwolf is a has existed in the past right whereas but there's werewolves just, as far as we know are not real and never have been right right but i'm just thinking like if it actually was a crazy weird dire wolf you know mass frenzy how have they survived this long and why haven't we seen them prior to this um answer that question about bigfoot well bigfoot is a peaceful vegan <laughs> I yes. Well, here are the this is what people back then and today tend to think. Today, everyone pretty much still wants to believe the whole like wolf idea that it was a wolf, deformed wolf, extra large wolf. The hysteria made people miss sure. see what a wolf well, was. Well, and is, is it going to just be kind of like the Beast of Bray Road where they say it's a, a bear with rabies or something? The majority of people still tend to go for the wolf notion. Again, because wolf attacks were so common back then and we're in an area where people are herding livestock, what? it is very likely that it was a wolf attack. My question is, what would make a wolf behave like that? Even if it was multiple wolves? It's clear that they were attacking people like they weren't interested in the livestock. Right. Like and I don't I mean, I guess you could say like rabid wolf. I don't know that that they would just seek out and murder people. I mean, I don't I know that a rabid animal has that sort of wherewithal to be like, I'm going to attack the human and not the animal. True. Also, it, it is slightly easier to believe it is a wolf, I think, in this story. Because they happen to find and kill other very large wolves. Mm -hmm. So who's to say the wolf that has been killing everything is just an even bigger one? Right. And just to kind of back that up, in Paris in 1765, there was a wolf that was hunted down because it had killed four people in a similar manner. Hmm. Um, they didn't say anything about like ripping out throats and stuff, but we're talking animal attack. Now that was Paris and that was a year after the initial attack, but it's just kind of to prove wolves attacking multiple people, not out uh, of the question. Sure. So yeah, if it's not a wolf, not a bear. Well, wait, we're still talking about the wolf because how does a wolf shake off bullets multiple times? I mean, it's big enough. Yeah. I mean, if you're hunting a bear, like, one shot is usually not going to kill a bear. True. True. Well, here's what a wolf biologist for the Oregon Department of Fish 
and Wildlife says. He thinks that people may have mistaken it for a monster because, quote, all wolves have a large bone structure, are long-limbed, and have considerable variation on coat thickness, depending on the time of the year. So for these reasons, people often considerably overestimate the size and the weight of the wolves that they see. Okay. End quote. Sure, based on the thickness of the pelts. Right. So I guess if we're talking, people are in danger trying to fight off a wolf— I'm imagining they're not, like, taking in the size and exact description of it as they're trying to escape. And then you've got mass hysteria of this animal, people telling stories about this is what it looked like, this is what it looked like. Mm -hmm. It's possible that that was simply what it was, just a regular wolf, probably bigger than the average wolf, and people saw what they wanted to see. But there are other options. Werewolf. We can, yes, we cannot rule out the werewolf. But to be fair, nobody ever described it as having any sort of like human-like characteristics sure. or any weirdos that seem to disappear around the full moon. And this seemed to be happening like year-long and not necessarily around the full moon if we're going to go by traditional werewolf lore. Well, that's just like Hollywood lore. Right. Because I, I think there is a lot of old stories of werewolves where humans can just turn into wolves at will yeah there are well this is like our vampire episode um we should do a werewolf episode because there are i feel like every culture has a werewolf or a similar monster right yeah so yes i'm sure there's plenty of other descriptions of werewolves but if we're gonna go for the traditional european classic description of full moon heart-eating werewolf. This doesn't really fit that description. Mm-hmm. Some people suggest that it was a serial killer. And I'm uh, I'm going to say no to that one <laughs> due to the fact that there were a fuck ton of eyewitnesses and reports from victims themselves that it was an animal and not a person. Did they, did anyone notate like the behavior after it was chasing them? Like, was it on four limbs? Like a wolf? That wasn't specifically mentioned, but I imagine if it was running on two limbs, that would definitely have shown up in description somewhere. Okay. So, yeah, most likely not a human serial killer. Right. And the attack seemed to stop after an animal was killed in the end. So I'm not really in favor of the serial killer idea. But animals, as far as I know, again, correct me if I'm wrong, because I know almost nothing about animals in general. Do they usually decapitate their victims and then just kind of like leave them there? <laughs> like 16 people were fully decapitated. Yeah, that's weird. So I don't know. Some people hypothesize that it was a serial killer who used a dog as their weapon. So the dog would do the initial attack and then the serial killer would go and like rip off the heads and stuff. I mean, I guess that's possible, but there were witnesses. Yes. Well, I mean, unless they were like gotten and, by the dog. And the and human the f- was in the shadows. Yes. Okay. Right. I, don't, I mean, it's far-fetched, but that is one proposed theory. One possibility, and it sounds kind of strange, is stray hyena. Like from a zoo? Yes. So a striped hyena was noted to escape a menagerie in 1767. Which is three years after the initial attack. But, like, maybe these people are just, like, bad at keeping track of their hyenas or something. 
Either way, the description is very similar to hyena with the furry stripe down the back. Very canine, big barrel chest, long face. The mm-hmm. thing is, hyenas are small. And they don't have tails or like long tails with a tuft at the end. As far as I know, no. I'm pretty sure they either have a very small tail or no tail. That I'm not sure, but they're also not really known to attack humans in general because I think hyenas are mostly scavengers. Yeah, and I think they might be a pack thing too. Yeah, so it wouldn't surprise me. I think they are. Yeah. But that was one possibility. Again, if you've never seen a hyena before, you're a peasant in 1760s rural France. True. You know. That could be an option. But I guess that that would explain the stripe on the back since mm-hmm. they have that. But, I mean, other than that, not really much going for it, I think. Right. So other common suggestions, wolf-dog hybrid, mutant bear. I mean, like any large, scary animal. Which brings me to the last one. It can't be aliens. No, I wrote ugh, I wrote aliens at the end. This isn't that. It can't be. It's not aliens. Even I will admit it's not aliens. This is actually one that a lot of people, like if you don't subscribe to the it was a wolf idea, this is the next most popular theory. Several experts hypothesized that the beast was actually a not quite adult lion. Mm. And it sounds weird, but a lion would move in the way that the beast was claimed to move the way it w- would run the way its tail was like feline and would be able to move around sure it would rear up onto its hind legs it would be able to take a bullet it'd be much larger than a wolf it would be able to take a bullet or at least more bullets than a wolf would right in the same way that like again you said if you shot a bear you more than likely have to likely, shoot it more than once yes right Some juvenile lions, like who are not cubs, but they're not quite full grown, do have like a stripe of hair that go down their back. Like the start of a mane or something? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they have those little tail poofs. Mm -hmm. Plus, people living in a remote area of France in the 1760s probably have never seen a lion or have only experienced them maybe once at a menagerie if they had the chance to get off work herding their cattle right. to see it. Or they've seen drawings. But even then, you've seen old drawings of, <laughs> of well, yeah, quote-unquote exotic animals. After medieval times, the pictures got a little they bit did, better. yes. But, but I, I think usually if they were to have seen a, a drawing of a lion, it would probably be an adult lion with the mane. With the mane, but yes. But if they're not seeing the mane... Yes, they're just seeing a maneless kind of dark colored lion with a hairy stripe like that would not be recognizable if you've never seen a lion or you've only ever seen a picture of it once. I imagine some of these people have never even really heard of lions. Why why would a lion go for a head and decapitate it? Well, that I don't know. This is just in terms of the visual description and the way it moved and the way it was able sure. to withstand bullets. I'm just thinking in the very unlikely possibility of a lion actually escaping and living in the forests of France. Right. It's it's not going to be able to survive. Even if it is eating meat, like human meat, it's not used to that climate. And right. if there are a bunch of hunters and eventually the army looking for it, even if they're only looking for wolves, 
they're going to come across a lion. Yes. Well, here's the hypothesis on how it got there. And the second theory might explain why it would be able to survive in this weather. The first thought is that during the Seven Years' War, a French soldier stationed in Africa, which would be weird during the Seven Years' yeah, War. Yeah, that would be but weird. But that's what was well, written they, down. They had colonies, though. Right. So the thought was that a soldier picked up a cub somewhere in Africa and brought it back with him. Yes, it's possible. Possible. It does not seem likely to me. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's unlikely, though. Well, there's that. The other, to me, more likely story is that some 1760s Tiger King had his own menagerie of lions you know, some wealthy guy living in a rural area, like he's got his second home up Maybe, in rural possibly France. A, possibly a trailer. But potentially a trailer. Filled up. with <laughs> dozens of tigers and lions. Right. So he's got all those. But then, you know, maybe he, A, stops caring about them. B, can't afford to take care of them all. Um, or and one then just escapes, maybe. One just escapes. And the thing is, maybe it's used to the climate because it was bred here. Potentially. <laughs> Yeah. I, I mean, you know. I, and when I said earlier about surviving in the forest, I, I'm not saying it couldn't. I'm just saying it's a climate that it's not native to. Right. So how is it going to be able to hide itself from people hunting it, right? Uh, if it's not used to the long grass and being able to hide in it so it can pounce on a victim, right? Like a lion would. Yeah. That's trees, not a don't thing. tigers climb trees? Probably. I don't know. This was just, it's the most likely theory in terms of what the beast looked like. But wolf is the most likely theory in terms of probability. They, they did specifically say it had a canine-like face, though, right? And obviously a lion does not have that. Well, here, listen to this. One of the people that Louis XV sent to hunt this animal mm -hmm. was Captain Jean-Baptiste Duhamel. And he wrote, quote, you will undoubtedly think like I do that this is a monster, the father of which is a lion. What its mother was remains to be seen, unquote. Alien, half lion, half alien. I'm saying it now, calling it now. What would it be? Just a, like a hairless green lion? I don't know. Gray. <laughs> but I mean, maybe it was like a lion hybrid. That was at some, in somebody's weird personal zoo. Suppose anything is possible since we have no idea what it was. It is interesting, though, that like so many people did die and it's documented. So it had to have been something. That's, that's what I said at the beginning. It's not disputed that this occurred. Right. The whole question is just what was it? Well, it, right, because I mean, that's sure. what sets it aside from a lot of other cryptid stories, a lot like the Beast of Bray Road. Where, you know, there were obviously people that cited it and believe in it, but since there's no victims mm -hmm. or casualties right. in those cases, you know, can you can question its existence at all, right? Right, but because there's no proof. This. Whereas this, there's physical proof of it. Because of the corpses. Because of the corpses, but also they, if we are to believe that the animal that Jean Chastel killed was the beast they had a physical corpse and they did describe it as a mysterious creature at, like they didn't know what it was when they shot it could so, be bigfoot possibly bigfoot maybe is more like big dog big paw 
(laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't even know what to think, honestly. I I, I think I'm leaning towards a very large wolf. I lean towards wolf, but, like, having read the lion description, I'm really, like, I... I could believe it was a juvenile lion if it wasn't, like, in the Rocky Mountains of South France. Right. So I don't, I don't know. But the thing is, that story is fucking wild. Yeah. It's wild because, I mean, anywhere from 50 to 100 people up to 500 people. And I'm sure that if we were to go back, there's no way you could attribute every single death to this same creature. But enough for it to be fucking insane it's crazy anyways that's the beast of Gévaudan. let us know what you think it is and if you want to make fun of mine and colleen's knowledge of european wildlife or, or french pronunciation yeah, yeah let us know or history in general but for now i have some news stories i've come across that i would like to share with everyone i'm gonna rapid fire a few at you okay. i have several go for it this one, this one's not spooky. I just thought it was funny. I wanted to share it. The state of Florida recently listed or released a list of its rejected vanity plate names. <laughs> okay. So yes. these wait, Florida. Yes. So this places. is just Florida. Okay. So th- this isn't just like a a band list. These are actual vanity plate titles that people requested, like through an application, and were rejected. Right. So okay. there's over 500. I'm just going to release or read a few of them. Okay. T. Bundy. Makes sense. Ted Bundy. Sure. Gross. Um, Fart with three A's. (laughs) Wait, wait, why would they reject that? That's classic. Um, Meth with a three instead of the E. Sure. I guess, like, what's the point of... Nuts with four U's. Again, why are they saying, like, like, under what (laughs) rules? Dr. 69. That's just innocent fun. Drug man. (laughs) I mean, I I just that you're kind of asking to be pulled over with that one. I fart. Again, it's like some they're rejecting someone's dad from getting the plate that they want. Forever 69. Nice. And last one for Colleen. Yas Queen. Yas. Queen spelled Q-W-N course i just thought that was kind of funny i just i want to know what their criteria is because if nuts can't be a license plate in a free country no, then not what just kind nuts. of country are nuts. <laughs> um, everybody claims america is the most free country on earth a we know that's not true now just because of like the freedom index but also you can't have nuts as your license plate come on that reminded me, I think it was either in, in uh, Kentucky or Tennessee. There's a, a really old man that has a plate that reads, I am God. Mm. And it really pisses off the Baptist church in the area. Oh, geez. Well, was perfect. Here's a story that's uh, more local to Colleen and I. Okay. This happens in Minnesota. Spilled potatoes freeze to Minnesota highway after truck crash. Oh, no, not the potatoes. So this just happened last week. So the Minnesota DOT, Department of Transportation, said that a truck crashed and uh, blocked the I-94 eastbound. And it was carrying potatoes. And the mess that it made and the cold weather actually froze the potatoes to the ground, which caused the road to even be undrivable, unpassable, because it was too slippery. 
So the, the potatoes? The potatoes just froze to the ground. Just out of curiosity, where in Minnesota is this? Uh, Albertsville. Okay. But it's on I-94. Sure. So we, Colleen and I, are familiar with that area, at least. Yeah. What a waste of potatoes. Like, was the mess because they drove over the potatoes and then the water and the potatoes got all squeezed out and that's what turned to ice? Or was it just so cold that, like, it turned into a mountain of congealed, just regular no, potatoes? No, I, I think the potatoes that were being hauled... After the crash, a lot of them smashed onto the highway and then instantly, or not instantly, but over several minutes before it could be cleaned up, sure. they just froze. And if you're not familiar with how cold it is in Minnesota right now, tomorrow morning around 7, um, it, the temperature is predicted to be negative 29 degrees Fahrenheit here. Yep. So it's we're in the cold times. Next story. This mm-hmm. one's in Washington. Authorities in Washington said that a rail car broke away from a train and rolled away before being stopped. Guess how far? How far a a rail car, like a runaway rail car, went before stopping? A mile. Higher. Five miles? Higher. Twelve miles. Higher. How fast was it going? I don't know. A rail car traveling at 80 miles per hour. <laughs> like, that's it, what I feel like. It went 16 miles before it came to a stop. On its own? On its own. Damn, how fast was it going? I mean, train speed. (laughs) No, the the actual article here says it was going 50 miles per hour before it was loosened, uh, but slowed to about three miles per hour after going up a steep hill and just kept going. So, but did nobody like try to stop it? Nobody like drove ahead and was like, hey, this car's only going three miles per hour. Let's. I don't know. Well, I think it went closer to three miles per hour near the end. Sure. But for a while, it was just going at a snail's pace before it came <laughs> to a stop. You're like, fine, we'll just see how far it can go. Um, yeah, that's that's a little of that one. I just thought it was impressive. But last story is a little bit spookier. Okay. This one's in New Zealand. A New Zealand man who is who initially thought he had water trapped in his ear said that the true cause of the blockage turned out to be something far more shocking. Okay. Yes. Is it a bug? Is it a bug? It's a bug. Mm-hmm. Is it like a cockroach? Live cockroach. Oh. <laughs> so this guy, he had, you know, he had something going on in his ear. He thought, you know, because he's like a swimmer. and sure. Or went swimming, at least. Um, thought, you know, he just had water in his ear. Yeah, no, not I mean, my deal. first thought would not be bug either. But it wouldn't go away. So after several days, he went into the doctor or whatever. They found it. Um, they advised to uh, try using a hair dryer to dry up the water inside of his ear before he found out what it was. Uh, when he did that, and after you know the feeling and the possible sure, slight pain of it being in there persisted, that's when he went in. Gross! Oh my god! <laughs> so we, when he went to the doctor, the doctor said, "I think you have an insect in your ear." Think of the shit you see at urgent care or the ER. Like, yes, most of it is normal, sad injuries and illnesses. But sometimes you get a cockroach in an ear and then you go home and you tell your kids about it. Um, The guy said as soon as the doctor pulled it out, there was like a popping sensation and it was instant relief. Oh, my God. Ouch, dude. Well, sometimes I'm glad we live in Minnesota. No cockroaches. Or at least no, the less likelihood that one will live in your ear. Smaller time window yes. of opportunity for them. And smaller cockroaches, probably. 
So that's all that I had. But if you have a story that you come across or if you have a personal story that you would like to send to us to read at the end of the podcast, you can send it our way. You can send it to Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. All are at NerdslothHQ. Uh, links to our Discord are also in uh, most of the description sections of our social media. Yes, or you can email us at podcasts at nerdsloth.com. That's podcast with an S at nerdsloth.com. Yeah, and we'll catch you all next week. Yeah, thanks for listening to the tale of the mighty beast. We love you. See you next week. Love you, bye. Bye. Presented by NerdSloth. A place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.